0: Prayer is clearly an important part of the Christian life, but does the church do enough to assert the full role of prayer? Prayer should not be desperate, but something with aspirations and hopes. It should be part of our entire character, which is holistically organized to grow in likeness. So, I hope you're having a good day. Welcome to Kingdom of the Lagos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor Jay Dylan Proctor, and of course, here with me in the studio,
1: Pastor Anthony Allegria.
0: And we really do hope that you're, you're here to have a good time with us. We're going to be talking about prayer today. And now I know a lot of us, we, we think about prayer, and it's one of those things which is kind of mundane in Christian culture. And we know that there are certain teachings about it, even from the Bible, we find things like Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount giving people a, a prayer to have daily, but yet there are other questions which we have where there's just a little bit of ambiguity and we're really not sure about it. So let's talk a bit about prayer today. The goal that we have in this program is to ultimately have three tips on how to be assertive in our prayer life. And I wanna frame this a little bit with the context of our world. It's become somewhat popular for public figures to openly reject Christianity and to try to pull our culture away from Christian tradition. I mean, we see this all the time. If, if you follow something like Facebook, Twitter, you've seen this online where people come out with something kind of hostile to Christianity. You know, The church and its traditions are the problem kind of telling people how to think. And one of the ways that has really come after the church lately is this idea that thoughts and prayers are just a nice way of saying that no one is going to do anything about a situation. And as the church, of course, our goal is not to receive approval from the world around us. We realize that, and we should not really be bothered when we're rejected by the world. If I'm just completely honest here, even if we get all called up to be sent to the amphitheater, it's not the end because We have assurance in Christ Jesus that we should not bother ourselves with worldly rejection and worldly acceptance, that there is a kingdom far beyond the limits of this world. But at the same time, we do need to make sure that prayer is not something which is hollow. That's not something which has just kind of been watered down. I don't know if you've ever gone to church and you've kind of felt like there's just confusion and mystery around prayer, or even when we sing songs and we hear the preacher preach or we we spend time listening to things, there's just an uncertainty when it comes to the question of, what if I had to do something like that? If I have to stand in front of people, how am I going to pray? If I have to, to give a message one day, would I be capable of doing that? If I was tasked with writing a song, would I be able to do it um, better than the people doing it currently? You know, we know that we're all called to participate in the Christian life, and something like prayer is something we should all do, and we should never feel like we aren't able to rise to that occasion. And prayer is certainly an important part of the church, and we must assert the full role of prayer. Jesus teaches us how to pray, but there is still a fair amount of questions we have. Of course, I mentioned some of these earlier, but we have other questions like, should we actually pray in public? You know, we look at something like the Sermon on the Mount, you hear all these hints of secrecy. We ask the question, are lengthy prayers bad? What sort of language should we use? How should we sound? Should we only pray in secret? Is it wrong to use pre-written prayers instead of those where it just kind of comes up with words on the spot i know anthony when he gives a lot of prayers sometimes he has pre-written prayers i don't know if anthony wants to shed any light on that but you know a lot of people they come with questions about this is it less meaningful to use a pre-written prayer or what
1: yeah a lot of times i think uh, people have the idea that um, pre-written prayers and things of that nature aren't as valuable or as genuine as um, spontaneously given prayers but Um, I think, I don't, I don't want to step on your toes and jump the gun here, but, um, you know, it's sort of like the same thing as the reason why we write vows for marriages and things like that. Or maybe we write, um, up contracts (laughs) that are well thought out without, um, rather than something, some sort of spontaneous agreement where you all somehow consider everything that you need to have considered right
0: in that same moment. Sure. And you know, there's pre-written prayers that someone else wrote, and then there's those that you wrote yourself. And you do kind of get this air within the church that, you know, if you read someone else's prayer and you prayed it, you know, you've kind of done something you should be guilty of because it wasn't as sincere. But really, if we're honest, if the words do match up in sincerity with where your heart's at, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, Jesus gives us a prayer that we are taught to pray. I mean, should we feel guilty about using the Lord's prayer just because those words didn't originate from our heart? They originated before us? And the answer is obviously no. There's nothing wrong with that. The key to it is sincerity. So let's actually get to some scripture. I think we'll have some fun with that. Uh, Pastor Anthony, would you lead us into Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 5 down to verse 13. And this is from the Sermon on the Mount. We looked at that before, but today we're going to kind of look at the Lord's Prayer in there. We're going to take a more specific look at just a single part of it. And so, Anthony, if you would begin with us in the Gospel of St. Matthew. And when you pray, do not be
1: like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one.
0: All right, so as we find in the gospel, according to St. Matthew, Jesus teaches us to pray with a very short prayer. And before he even gives us that prayer, he says, you know, don't have all these empty words. Don't have these long public prayers which really garner a lot of attention. Now, if we spend some time, we realize, well, Obviously, Jesus is not saying that it's wrong to pray publicly because there are times when Jesus prays publicly. I mean, even in this context, Jesus is publicly speaking to people, and this Lord's Prayer is part of a public message. We find Jesus going to pray to cast out demons. We find all sorts of times where Jesus prays and speaks in public. And then there are times where Jesus prays in secrecy, and we find him going off in the garden to spend some time alone. So we we know when we come to this that it's got to be more than just whether or not it's public or secret and we also know there's got to be more to it than just how many words are in there and the answer to all these questions is well the true meaning of prayer is found in its sincerity obviously when people go out and they pray publicly for attention then that's a problem but if you're praying publicly because circumstances require you to pray publicly and they set the responsibility on you that says you need to lead us in prayer, whether blessing food at your table, or maybe you're in a group meeting somewhere. Maybe you're having a meeting at work, or you're at somewhere that's a public event or a community gathering, and someone asks you to pray. There are a lot of times when we do pray publicly. It even happens in church where we get called on to pray publicly. And that's something which is fine to do is just as long as we are sincere. And that's something which is fairly clear to us, but I want us to move today to talking about the full role and full power of prayer. I want us to talk about having different things in life which will help strengthen our prayer life. And perhaps I should have thrown this in earlier when giving the description of the video, but there are three key ways I want us to think about which will really help strengthen our prayer life. The first of which is to make a practice of praying the Lord's Prayer three times a day. The second is to spend time reading. And the third is to enhance your vocabulary. Now, I realize these might not be what you would expect in a list of how to deepen your prayer life, but as we come to this, I want us to realize that prayer must be something which is aspirational. There are too many elements in Christian culture which are kind of just bent towards, well, the pits of life. And I'm sure we've all seen this. We've come in and we've sing songs. Sometimes we sing songs that we really like. Sometimes we we go back and we read books and we we hear messages and things which are kind of, you know, let's just be broken. God accepts us where we're broken. And while we do enjoy that, and we can certainly relate to those moments, we all have moments of great sorrow, we also realize that's not really the message of the gospel. The gospel of Christ Jesus doesn't come to people and say, oh, it's really terrible that you've had all this happen to you. Why don't you just stay there? We know that's not true. There's never this calling that says just be broken or just be broken you know, held down in a pit. God is always wanting to move us towards something which is better. And our theology in the church really needs to move in this direction, which may mean we need to rewrite some songs and structure our sermons and all of our workings in the church towards this, but we know that God comes so that we could have eternal life, that we could be saved from sin and healed to Christ-likeness. You know, I, I know that Anthony is going to be bringing a message soon about the leper, God doesn't desire for people who are lepers and blind to stay blind forever. He wants them to have healing. And in order for us to have aspirations and goals, we really need to be organized. And I mean, our whole life has to be organized. We have to structure everything we do so that we can be transformed into the image of Christ. We must build up our character and we must have rituals that help us. So that takes us back to that first of the three things which really will help us strengthen our prayer life and help strengthen our Christian walk all the way around. We must make a practice of praying the Lord's Prayer three times a day. So that's that's the first of the three tips that I want to put in this video. The early church, if you go back to something like the Didache, understood that Christians should be praying the Lord's Prayer. They should be doing it every day, and they should be doing it at least three times a day. And yes, the Lord's Prayer is something which is pre-written. None of us have been the author or originator of the Lord's Prayer. It comes long before us. But that doesn't mean that it is not effective. We should be incorporating the Lord's Prayer into our daily Christian life and doing that three times a day. Yes, that sounds ritualistic, and that's not a bad thing. Just because it's a ritual doesn't mean it's not effective. And just because the prayer was written before us doesn't mean that it can't be sincerely felt in our hearts. There's some real beauty in participating in rituals and things which come thousands of years before us, and especially something like the Lord's Prayer, which comes from Christ Jesus himself. It comes straight from the Lord. Prayer really should be something which is aspirational. It's not desperate, and the church culture should not be desperate. It should be something which moves us closer to God and closer to holiness, not something which only appeals to the lowest elements of carnal nature. So when we say that prayer should not be desperate, we mean that prayer should be something that appeals to God with the aim of moving towards Him. And it shouldn't be something which merely appears to God with the desire to stay in sin or even not so sinful, low points in life. It should never want to stay in the pit and it should never want to move away from God. So Anthony, I know that we've talked before. One of the things that I would really like to have happen, and it would be hard to get this going in the Protestant world because we kind of are a little off-put by things like icons and the rosary. But one of the things which I think is really a wonderful and beautiful truth of church history is the use of things like prayer beads. And different trinkets which people have kept on their person that whenever they've reached in their pocket they have felt it or maybe they've seen it around their neck they've realized that there's something on their body that when they see it when they touch it there's a physical side to it there's a visual side to it when they encounter it they are reminded to pray what do you think about the importance of stuff like that anthony you think we could ever get a movement going to to have people start going in that direction i don't know i know things like that start with uh,
1: individuals and so they do. Um, it would take people making a conscious decision to trust in traditions and things that they're not familiar with um, and dedicating time to them. I will say that um, part of it, there's a lot of logical arguments that you can make for it. Um, and there's some logical arguments I'm sure that you can make against it. Uh, but y- you mentioned, for instance, um, having something in your hands that can remind you to pray and things of that nature. Something else that I found whenever um, I was praying with a rosary was that whenever you're faced with a problem, maybe uh, there's something that is that you think is too large of a challenge, or maybe um, you find yourself facing temptation, your mind and your soul really go back to that same area. Sort of like how... We see Jesus often respond to temptations and to those who have come to accuse him uh, with scripture. In many ways, um, if you have scripturally based prayers, this is effective because whenever you're facing those trials or those temptations, your mind and soul go back to the rock foundation of those prayers and, and
0: they use them as a defense really. Uh, towards whatever the world is bringing you. Yeah, and praying through Scripture is not a bad thing. Using Scripture directly as a prayer is not a bad thing at all. A lot of times when people think about being a saint or to be one of the, the prayer warriors, if you've been in the Church of the Nazarene long enough, you've heard language like prayer warriors, you know, you don't have to be a a special person to become one of those. God calls all of us, and in fact, God doesn't just call us. He commands us to get up and follow Him on the way of life. And God will... Come to each and every one of us and pull us out of the pit and equip us all to be people of, of sincere faith and of, of good prayer. And spending time reading through a piece of scripture and using that as a prayer is a beautiful thing to do. It's something anyone can do, and it will strengthen your prayer life, and it will do a lot for you. It's, it's a very good thing. And as kind of Anthony said, it kind of takes you back to that moment. Having these rituals and things, they remind us. They keep our life focused and centered on, on God. And I really would like you, and if anyone has any thoughts or questions about this, please send them to us in comments. There is a need we have in the church to teach people to do something like the Lord's Prayer three times a day. I, I really think that's something that I would be pretty much a stickler on. Say the Lord's Prayer three times a day. Create a ritual. Maybe it's whenever you touch your car keys. Maybe it's whenever you, I don't know, if you're like me, you carry a, a, a pocket knight, uh, streamlight flashlight and a pen in your pocket every time you get one of those out, say the Lord's Prayer. Having stuff like that in your life really will do wonders for you. Um, whether it's getting a flashlight out to use it or getting your ink pen out, say the Lord's Prayer. Create a, a ritual that you have for that because it will keep your mind focused on God. And let's go on to the second point that I had in this, and that's reading. Now, this may seem bizarre in a way of expanding your walk. is Christian and particularly in strengthening prayer and really harnessing the full power of prayer, but we should spend time daily reading. And this should include scripture as well as other text. In the modern world, technology has increased much faster than our wisdom of how to use it has. And if you've been around me long enough, I've said one of the problems we have is that there's kind of been a shift. Historically, you know, the older generations, they would know how to operate in the world around them and they would hand the technology off to their kids the grandkids. We live in a day and age where it's kind of flipped, and you probably know this to be true in your own life. Find like a 12-year-old that can work an iPad really great. I'm someone who grew up with this stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm in close to 30. Anthony's had it more involved in his life. He had a smartphone like way earlier than I would have ever imagined um, someone having one, but that's just because he's of a younger generation. But you look at the world around us, and the younger generations know how to use technology better than our like, grandparents do. And while that doesn't seem like a big problem on the front end, that means that we're operating on a way that we don't have the wisdom to operate with. And you look at social media, you see social media causes a lot of problems. Uh, I, I've said this a lot. Social media, it's not good or bad by itself. It's just a tool. It's going to exaggerate existing qualities. And right now, there's not enough existing wisdom on how to use Facebook and social media, not how to use those things well, for it to exaggerate wisdom. Right now, it's kind of exaggerating the carnal nature. And that's that's really terrible. But reading really is an important thing and it will make your prayer life better. Read scripture and read anything you can get your hands on. I love Jules Verne novels. I'm really excited to start The Mysterious Island. I've I've gone through seven or eight Jules Verne novels right now. I love them. Uh, they're they're just fantastic. And reading is something which is interesting because it is so much slower paced and much more deliberate than other activities. When I first read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, I thought I was going to it was going to just end me. Um, I don't see why I had forced myself to do it. It was something I had done in Lent. You know, I remember being in school and having to read all these books and doing a lot of reading for that. But then I was like, why in the world would I ever want to do this in my personal life? And I know other people my age who have kind of broke down almost to the point of crying because they have to read stuff. Um, Reading is difficult and it's slower paced. It's almost out of place in our modern world to have to read. We're used to seeing things so fast, having videos and stuff. Reading is kind of hard. Anthony? Anthony? Something
1: else that's pretty difficult about um, reading scripture is just that there's so many things off the cuff that we won't necessarily directly understand. You know, like, for instance, um, I'm preaching over four verses, uh, Matthew chapter eight, one through four. And I think it's in the third or fourth verse that Jesus tells the leper who he has healed. Don't say anything to anyone, but go to the priest and uh, make the sacrifice as according to the law of Moses, that that can serve as a testimony. And so as you're reading, you'll probably just be reading through those verses, but a lot it takes a lot of time and effort to actually go back and be like, hold up, wait a second. Why would Christ be motivated to tell this man not to say anything to anyone while you're reading? You know, I know whenever I read sometimes uh, scripture, it's easy to just fall into a, I'm gonna read the words sort of mentality rather than uh, seeking a mentality that's in the pursuit of understanding and really sort of reflecting on what the meaning of the text is. You know, it's very, I mean, we've done it. I think we've all done it whenever we're studying or anything else for like school. And it can happen just the same as with the Bible. You know, maybe you're reading a science textbook and it's just you're reading words,
0: but you're not getting anything out of it, you know. Well, reading is really, it is hard, especially in the modern day and age where people, our minds have shifted like, Humanity really wasn't designed to live with all this technology and stuff we have around us, but that doesn't really mean we're that different from our ancestors, but the truth of it is is we don't like to read because it's so different than everything else we do and it's slower paced. We like things to be really quick paced. So here are my tips I give people when you're thinking about reading. You know, reading itself is the aspiration, and if you can't read something, you know, get an audiobook. A good way to start picking up the hobby of reading is to get an audiobook and a physical copy of the other book, and even if it's an electronic copy, just something where you can read the text while you listen to the audiobook, That will help you out quite a bit. And again, reading is the aspiration. After that would be listening, and finally at the end there's watching something. Um, and I get that we're something to watch and listen to right now. Again, I do encourage people to go out and read, um, spend time reading. I love the saying about Isidore of Seville regarding prayer. He says, when we pray, we talk to God, but when we read, God talks to us. You know, St. Isidore was very interested in gaining any knowledge that one could. And there's this idea that everything in the world is theological, whether it is in pursuit of God or it is in spite of God. If God truly is the master of creation and fallen creation is, well, it's always thinking about God, whether it's going to return to God or whether it wants to be spiteful and turn and run away from God. As we spend time reading, we should incorporate that into our prayer life. Find scriptures and things to pray as you read and just read. Read for the sake of, of reading. Read scripture so it will grow your your soul. Um, it's a very good thing. The last thing I want us to talk about in Fern's tips of prayer is to enhance your vocabulary. Now I get that this is probably not going to be a very popular thing to say. Um, Anthony has correctly pointed out, I've lived long enough to become the grammar Nazi. One either dies using bad language or they live long enough to become the villain enforcing grammar. And I realize that not everything in life needs precise language, but when it comes to theological matters, we do need precise language. There's this idea that God is mysterious, therefore, you know, he's subjective. We can believe whatever we want to believe, and it's okay because nobody can really prove us wrong. You know, that's not a good way to think about things. Just because there is mystery around God and there are things which are unexplainable doesn't mean that just any thought that's found here or there is permissible. There is good theology and bad theology. And just like if you go to the doctor, you want them to use specific language. If you go to the doctor, you don't want them to come to you and say, yes, you have pain. We found sickness. You know, that that wouldn't cut it. You wouldn't want that. You know, if you go to an art museum, you don't want to just see crayons and something put together up on the wall. You know, you want to see something like Edvard Munch's The Scream, which is done with, you know, crayons on cardboard, but it's beautiful. You don't want to just see something which is, is crude. Whenever we we find in life, there are times when we need specific language and there are times when we kind of, it's less important. But enhancing our vocabulary to use precise language really will help our prayer life. And if you spend time reading, you'll start to find that your mind imitates the things you're reading. And this is just true. This is how our lives work. This is one of the reasons why social media is not the best thing for us, things like Instagram and all the memes. You know, people start using LOL in real life. And I mean, I do it too. It's something that comes for us all. But we start imitating a really basic, crude, primitive use of language rather than trying to raise the bar and say, well, let's use language well. I'm probably going to get in trouble for what I'm about to say. But last year at, at District Assembly, we had a bunch of, of classes that people could go to. And some of the names and the just the descriptions I had for them, um, they almost broke me. One of them was titled Growing Up With Hurt. And I looked at that and I was, I don't know how, and I I don't think any ill of anybody. It's fine. But we've got to use language that has sentences structured better than that and title structured better than that. We read some of our songs that are out there that we sing in the church and just the, if you were to try to read them as sentences alone, you know, they would almost be incomprehensible. They're, They're just incomprehensible in their, their format. Having specific language is very important, and this is especially true when it comes to theology. We must really emphasize precise thinking. And when we pray, we should use precise thinking. Again, you always hear me say things like, the church is not community, but it's family. We shouldn't use like words like community. we got to use the right language. Use family. Be specific. It's okay to be specific. We don't have to be vague about everything. Anthony? Um, I will say to your point concerning uh,
1: some of the worship songs and things like that, that we can see, Um, you know, in a different book, I think it is probably Luke. uh, The phrase here, which is um, referring to how the Gentiles pray, also says uh, this is how the pagans pray. And it says not to to babble as the pagans do. I forget which gospel that's in. I think it's in Luke. But it says not to babble as the pagans do and um to your other point concerning the vocabulary that we use uh, jesus doesn't repeat himself over and over whenever he prays the lord's prayer whenever he prays the lord's prayer pretty much every word in that prayer is necessary to retain the same meaning and it's precise you can add as many words as you would like i suppose and and keep the same meaning but you really can't take anything away from the lord's prayer And have the same yeah and and that's a really great
0: point if you take words away does it lose some of the meaning and if the answer is no well then maybe it's it's a little bit overdone so one of the things we have is really use precise language Um, that'll do a lot for us and it'll help out all throughout life too I mean these are ways of organizing your whole life create rituals you know you pull your flashlight out of your pocket your little stream light it's a great light Got some other streamlights on some other things on my my person right now. Streamlights a good company. Um, not here to sell them though. Um, 3D printed ink pen, you know, just mundane things that everybody kind of has around them. Even something like a pocket knife or your wristwatch. Whenever you interact with them, create a a ritual that says it's not about this item. You know, lights lights are great, but. It's an artificial light. The only true light that matters in the universe is the light which comes from God, the holiness of God. Jesus is the truly the light. He is the the way. He's the the life which we we find meaning in. We come to to prayer and we find that we are really called to be ardent believers. We're to be rigorous in all that we do, to be moving towards holiness and not to just stay in the pits of desperation. Prayer is very important. And We should expect ourselves to be, well, having high expectations. We should be strong in our Christian walk. We should not desire to stay in the the pits of life, but we should always be moving towards the excellence of God. God is perfect, and therefore we are commanded to be perfect. We get this idea all throughout Scripture that God is holy, God is perfect, and we're created in God's image. And as God's called and commanded people, we should also be moving towards his holiness. We should allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. So when it comes to prayer, really think about these three ways. Spend time with the ritual. Repeat the Lord's Prayer three times. Read. And use precise language. Reject all this notion we have in the world of doing away with precise language. Again, we're not here to persuade um, people that, that language is the end goal. The end goal is always God. But at the same time, language is a tool. Again, it has no moral value one way or another. And we should use it well. We should use our tools well. So any final thoughts, Anthony, before we leave? There was one last thing I wanted us to go back to, and that was the whole idea that the world has kind of wanted to say, if people say they're just using thoughts and prayers, that's just a cheap cop-out of not doing anything. I don't know if you've seen a lot of that. If anybody watches news, you see this on face, social media. You see things like that. You see a lot of politicians and celebrities come out and say, oh, we don't want your thoughts and prayers. Yeah, most mm-hmm. of the time it's given as a sort of jab. It is giving us a jab. And it's not just giving us a jab, but it's saying, I'm going to poke you with this jab unless you do what I want. So in response to that, we're not here to please the world. Um, It's just not what the church is called to do. Our standards are found in God, not in the world. But also, the church should realize that thoughts and prayers should actually be a significant thing. We should actually spend time praying with with others. We should spend time praying. And to the point of, of written prayers, you might see someone dressed like me get up and pray a prayer from a book or something like that, or deliver one on Sunday. You might be giving one on Sunday. You might be giving one tonight as you have dinner. One of the things that I would also encourage us to do, and this isn't necessarily in your personal prayer life, but just prayer in the life of the church in general, is we actually should be sharing prayers with one another. Again, Jesus doesn't say that doing prayers publicly is bad. He says doing hollow insincere prayers are bad. When we actually spend time talking with other Christians and People that we care for, and maybe people we're trying to bring into the faith. You know, sending somebody a prayer on the, the phone, like a text or something like that, is not the worst thing to do. There's no rule that says we can't do that. If we're sincerely sharing a prayer with people, that's a very good thing to do. Again, the question at the end of the day is where is our heart when we do it? We're not doing it for their praise, but we're doing it trying to bless people. And that's an important thing. And that was really where I wanted us to end with today, Anthony. So, if all hearts and minds are clear, Let us close, and let's actually close with a prayer today. Let's close with the Lord's Prayer. So let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and glory forever. Amen. Amen. With that, God love you, and have a blessed day.